Welcome to The Giving Experience. This podcast is a journey into our hearts and souls to grow more connected with our maker and one another through the practice of generosity in all things. You will hear stories of how people have been impacted on both sides of The Giving Experience. We are your hosts, Chad Hauer and Brent Tayette. Today, we have an incredible guest with us, Beth Moss, and I am so grateful to have Beth here to share her story. It is a significant one. I can assure you this is going to be an emotional conversation. I fully expect to be in tears as I was last week when I got to sit down one-on-one with Beth. And just to give you a little background, I'd love to introduce you to Beth. She's born and raised in Walla Walla as a farm girl. She and her husband, who grew up in Tacoma, John, met at a Bible conference of all places. And the way you shared yourself with me is I've just always been a good girl. And like in my head, I've known the Bible and in my heart, I've known the Bible. And we're going to dive a lot deeper into that today as to what your experience is. They share five kids together. And boy, this is this is a serious one, guys. Beth and John lost their son, Aaron. And we're going to dive deep into that. I personally cannot imagine a more painful thing that any any one of us would have to go through than to lose a child. And Beth is very brave and bold to be willing to sit down with us and share her personal journey and just an authentic rawness about it. And Beth, I just want to thank you for for showing up today for all of us and letting us, you know, learn from this experience and how God has shown up. Let me just give you guys a breakdown real quick. When I had the opportunity to sit down with Beth and learn of of all this, our our mutual friend Malia Aaron's introduced us, and she shared with me how they lost their son, and through all of this what she said that just hit me like a ton of bricks was she said, what stood out to me through this whole experience, Chad, was God's richness. (laughs) (laughs) How do you lose a child? Probably the single most painful thing anybody could go through the biggest part of yourself that one could lose and say, God's richness really stood out to me. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking this, being able to learn more. What did that look like? What were the experiences that you had through this? What insights did you come to through this experience? And just to give a little backstory. So we're going to learn about Aaron and Beth's walk through this. Her son, Aaron, at 13 years old, had some liver issues to start out with. And it was a 10-year battle of dealing with that. He ended up needing four organs. And at the age of 23, He was hospitalized for 40 days. He actually died three times on the table at the hospital. Is that correct, Beth? That's correct. And they were able to resuscitate him. Later, they determined he needed a bowel transplant. Tacoma Screw Company actually flew you guys down to UCLA on their plane. They said, we've got you guys. Let's get you there. Took you to the ICU at UCLA because they were the treatment facility that had the the best success of knowing how to help your son in this special circumstance. And you lived at the ICU ward at UCLA for nearly three years. While the rest of your family was still here in Gig Harbor, you were separated from them, caring for your son, really being the advocate for him with all the different doctors through the process and being there with him through that. And Aaron passed away at the age of 26. And through that, Beth, you said what stood out to me through this whole experience was God's richness. Talk to us about what took place with that. How did you see God's character show up in that? You had mentioned that God did not move mountains per se, more so he, he left breadcrumbs for you. And that was, that was just as powerful and probably more palatable. And he knew what you needed in that moment. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I think in fighting an illness that long, You surround yourself with friends and church family, and you're all just praying toward this mountain called healing of Aaron's wellness. And so that became what my eyes were fixed on and how I was looking to measure, want to say, the faithfulness of God in my life. This is what I wanted. And at a certain point through a book, through a friend, realized that to look for the small ways that God is really where it's at. He can move mountains, but often instead he reveals himself through the process. He shows you himself in multiple ways all through the day, all through the journey. 
that helps you. Like I said, instead of moving the mountain, I felt like he created a mountain climber out of me to just go one step one day at a time. A friend a while back had said, actually, it was a Bible teacher. She said, God is a good father. And when he tells us in Matthew not to go ahead to the next day, he's a good father and he will not, just like us as humans, we're not going to reward or be there for our kids when they do what we tell them not to because we're telling them what's best for them. So when we run ahead, when we take on the whole thing up ahead, he's not going to bring patience. He's not going to bring peace to us in that circumstance. He's not going to be there with us. So when we go ahead, we go alone. Hmm. I think, I think that's so powerful for all of us to hear. You know, we just have so much anxiety in this world. So many people are on anxiety medications. I think more people are than aren't on anxiety, some sort of anxiety medication these days. That's something that I've shared with in the past. Like I've been on antidepressants, which is the same. It's like, Prozac, that's anxiety or antidepressants, you know, it's, it's just become commonplace nowadays. And what you shared with me, I thought was really powerful about don't, don't run ahead. Don't try to run ahead of God. And God is omnipresent. He's with us. He's before us. And he is after us. He, he's everywhere. And yet when we try to run ahead, we're essentially not being faithful and not putting our trust where it's due in God's hands, right? We're trying to fix it all and we're trying to control it all and we're trying to figure out all the things that we can't figure out anyway. And who is it famous for saying, you know, I've, I've had a, a thousand crises in my life and only two of them ever happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. we create all this, all this stuff in our head of like, oh my goodness, all these different things. And it, it prevents us from having peace. And yeah. from what you shared with me about Aaron, it sounds like Aaron actually had peace through, through all of this. And there, there was a woman in the ICU that he, he kind of befriended and was attracted to him that she was also battling her own health issues. Can you share with us a little bit about that story? Yeah, she was an older woman. She was in her eighties. She ended up being the oldest transplant patient ever at UCLA. She came up to me one day and just said, are you Aaron's mom? And I said, I am. And she said, I just want you to know that I've been looking for peace my whole life. And when I entered the hospital, I came as a Buddhist. Hmm. She said, that is the most peace I've found in my life is practicing Buddhism. And she said, and yet when I stood across the unit from your son, I took one look at his face and I said, he has what I've been looking for all my life. So she went over to him and she said, young man, what is it that makes you smile the way you do? What is the peace that you have? And he, so he told her about Jesus. Hmm. And, and so she said, I want you to know, he went down to the, the gift shop and bought me a Bible and he bought me a little plaque here by my bed. And she said, I want you to know that I've found what I've been searching for all my life. And so they became fast friends. She, in her former life, was an artist for Disney. And so she gifted him with a couple pictures and they just looked after each other. That In the hospital, you have such tough days and some days you don't want to get out of bed. And they would go and knock on the other's door and get out of bed and lock arms and push their pulse hmm. down the hallway together. So. That's a, be that's a beautiful picture of friendship right there. Yeah. Yeah. It gets really real in a hospital. I bet. Yeah. Everything gets stripped away. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm guessing that the peace he had that he was demonstrating and just even his countenance, maybe he didn't have from day one. Can you speak more to this quest for peace that I'm sure, just like you were talking about, the, the lessons you learned about finding that peace and comfort, what was that process like for you and Aaron? Can you speak to that? Yeah, God gave me an amazing experience right before we plunged into everything. We had been in the 10-year fight, and we're just about ready to head into the three-year down at UCLA. I did not know that at the time. My husband was out of town, and I'm shook and awake at 4 o'clock in the morning, and Aaron's standing over me. He's fully dressed, and he says, Mom, get your clothes on and come to the living room right now. I'm like, what time is it, Aaron? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. He's like, just do it. And I said, okay. So I pulled on my clothes and went out there and he said, I've tried to do life on my own terms. I've tried to figure it out. I've thought I was a pretty good person. But he said, I've gone further tonight 
in my actions than I ever planned on doing. I told myself I would never be that person. And I realized I need Jesus. So you get down on your knees with me. Mm. And, you know, he was in his 20s. Like he could have just done that on his own. But God knew what was ahead for us. Mm. He knew that I would need that and to be able to point to that and hold on to that, that the journey we would go through, I never had to wonder if my son had that experience because we got down on our knees And he just started confessing everything I didn't want to know as a mom. (laughs) Like he was all in. And I looked at them ahead of time and I said, listen, this is for real. Like no, no playing around or anything. We're going to God right now in the name of Jesus. And so it's all real. Let's do this. And he's like, I'm all in mom. So I, I can't even tell you the gift. Once again, the richness of God how he over and over did things like he didn't have to give me that ahead of time. But that was never an additional worry through surgery after surgery after surgery. I knew where he was going. Hmm. It was never in question. And that's that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's eternity. This is only a little blip on the screen, you know. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so humbling how we can, I was thinking about this just the other night, how how much I've learned from my kids And it's like, oh my goodness. And seeing, seeing the faith and the dedication that I've witnessed from my daughter Capri actually has, has strengthened my faith and my desire to be more focused on Jesus. And I'm like, what, what a gift that is. Like, it seems totally backwards. And there it is. Just one more example of God's kingdom is upside down from what we think in everything. They are the best tools in his tool belt. That's what I say. They will stretch you the furthest. They'll reveal who you are to yourself that you don't want to see. And they'll teach you about God in ways you never did on your own. Mm. They are his master tools, his tool belt to bring us to himself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been my experience. That's a really good reminder, particularly when you might be in the thick of it and you're frustrated, right? (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't saying that when it was, no, I was sure. when it was four teenagers, but it was like, you're owning me. What about them, God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beth, you shared a story that was really interesting to me about when you were in the ICU ward, you were on a regular basis seeing people that passed away. And it's just a very depressing place to be because so many people aren't coming out alive. Mm-hmm. And so day after day, you would see people taken out of the ICU ward that have now passed on Mm -hmm. and you just in desperation cried out to God saying, God, I am not strong enough for this. The one thing I'm asking of you is don't make me do this. If Aaron needs to go, let me take him home and let him pass there because I just cannot be another one of these numbers, so to speak, that has to go through this the ICU ward, yet another person dying. And yet God didn't just immediately respond to that request in the exact way that you had really hoped and asked for. And what you shared with me, it kind of showed me what you were talking about of, I witnessed the richness of God through this. And I would love for you to share with our audience about that. Yeah. I think when I was talking earlier about when we run ahead of him, And my experiences for myself is that when I start imagining things outside of today, of what the course of something is going to be, I never, ever figure in God's presence in that picture. I don't figure in his power and what he can do. I don't figure in his provision, what he's going to bring about, like an airplane, or the peace that he's going to bring that passes all understanding. So when I run ahead, I envision something different. And so once again, as I'm sitting there, realizing these bodies are going out one after another and just saying, God, I please, if you're going to take Aaron, I know you'll be with me, but please do not make it from this ICU ward. Please do not make it that I have to leave the hospital with my son's body behind because I I cannot physically do that. Hmm. People will be carrying me out. Please, I just, that one thing, please grant it to me. And then I realized we were in that spot that, that the end had come and that we needed to actually give the okay for them to pull his life support. So we gathered around the bed and at that point, things are so big. It's you're beyond the negotiating. You're asking God, you're just in it. You're just, you're just walking it out. 
they shut off all the machines and we gathered around as a family, holding him and singing to him and praying over him. It was very quick and I was to his right hand side and I was holding his arm and I had my fingers placed on the pulse of his wrist because I wanted to know exactly when he left us. And so I was holding on to that and all of a sudden it was just done. I 13 years of mighty struggle and it was just with a heartbeat it was done and once again when I imagined being in there and losing him I wasn't imagining any of the things that God would do and what immediately happened which I can't really explain in scientific terms but immediately up to the top of my periphery view of my left hand side arose an instant picture of Aaron standing on his feet fully well, fully healed, fully full of life. And that's significant if you just watch someone downgraded for 13 years. And it just shot through me instantly like death is not a is is not a destination. It's a doorway. He stepped through the doorway. He's not here anymore. And so I was just looking at his bed with his body laying there. And it was just like a nutshell chat. <laughs> that it was just like he wasn't there anymore. It was, I can't really put into words, but he wasn't there. It was so apparent. And God gave me, every time I felt like I was coming under the load of all the decisions and getting your son's body home and setting up all this stuff to bury him and remember him and let other people celebrate him. When I felt like I was going under that wave, I would just look up to the left-hand side and he'd be standing there. And that happened for two, two straight weeks. We made it through everything and then it was gone and I could never resurrect it again. I never put it there in the first place, but once again, that thing that you don't know who God is going to be to you until you're in that spot. And he's just asking you to trust him. He knows that we can't carry tomorrow like he can. He, we can't carry tomorrow. And so he, he tells us not to run ahead out of love because he's got it. And he's going to show up in ways that you just are not going to imagine it rightly. We're just going to get anxious thinking it through from our own level of peace, our own level of provision, our own level, of all those things, we're going to think it through and imagine it that way on the screen of our mind. Instead, he's saying, stay here with me today. And when I go forward to tomorrow, I'll be there in ways that you haven't yet imagined mm -hmm. or know. And that's what I could speak to all day long, the way he showed up over and over and over in the most profound ways, the most simple ways he can be counted on. A plane. Can you come up with a plane that a local company, you've never even met the people, they're going to donate their plane to you to fly for absolute free, day or night, any time to get you down there. They've mm -hmm. never even met you. Yeah. I can't come up with that on my own. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so speaking of a plane ride, another moment that I'm just so blown away by is when you were, you were on the plane and you were just in a deep moment of worship within that plane ride and you you shared with me how god really showed up to you in in a very impactful way in that moment do you do you recall what i'm talking about and yeah once again as i look back which looking back is always different view but it wasn't the plane ride down but this is way deep into the three years down at UCLA. So it was a time of John and I switching places because John was there in every form and way that he could be. Flew down continually to be by his son's side and to minister to him. We were switching places. So I've been up home taking care of some stuff and I've loaded back up in the plane. I know I'm headed back down and that things are pretty serious at this point again. I knew I needed refueling, so I pulled out my study that I was doing and had just had my little light on above my seat and was studying away. And God poured into me that day, like probably top five times I've ever experienced him like that. It was so rich that I no longer had a sense of really what story I was immersed in. It was just how amazing he is and the fullness of him. Those kind of things that you can't really say in words, but they're just felt through your whole being. 
And I was in that spot and I thought, I just want to shut off my light, push back and just be in the fullness, the, the, the wealth of that. And so I did that. I don't know how long I was like that, but all of a sudden it was like an arrow was shot through the side of my head with a question and it was so abrupt. That's part of the reassurance that it wasn't me coming up with something because my mind was so full of him. And all of a sudden this question just came like an arrow through my head and it was, what do you want me to do with Aaron? And I, I, I startled, I startled bad, like what? where is that coming from? God, is that really you? All those things that just race like in a second through your mind. And I can never prove to another human being, but my my true belief in my heart was I felt like as Aaron's mom, I was being asked in a way that God would really honor what I wanted him to do with Aaron. Now that in just our everyday conversation might be an absolute no-brainer that everybody would be screaming, heal him. Right. But that's the beauty let of me keep God. My, let yeah. me hold on to my son. Yeah, give it, paint the story the way I want it, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of God is that he is such a God of timing. I don't believe he would ever have asked me that question without me first being in the place of the richness of God and who he was. Because I paused just momentarily thinking I knew in my heart immediately what I wanted, but all far above that, bigger, I knew that God and who he had just been being to me knew so much end to beginning, all the best ways for all of us. I knew in a second that I wanted it, how his will. And so as I wavered there for a second to come with my will or his I knew through my whole being that I wanted his will, whatever that cost. And I knew that he would be with me though, Chad. He had already, see, we look at that whole thing as just a human, but when he is something to you to reveal himself, you know, you want his way so much more than your way because your way is just so, we're myopic. I mean, we Mm -hmm. just can't see very far at all. We don't know anything. And here he knows everything and his love is as great as his power. And so Mm -hmm. like, why wouldn't I trust him? And so that also, just like Aaron's salvation moment of asking Christ into his heart, this was also that moment that over and over I could go back to and touch as far as saying it wasn't the doctor that messed this up. It was because there's a lot of humans working on your child, and that's hard sometimes. <laughs> they're both heroic and they're human, you know. And so to go back over and over and touch that spot of saying, This is your will. You're taking us through it. This wasn't someone didn't snatch his life because they screwed up at the end. And there was mistakes, there were screw ups. But over and over I could go back to that spot and touch it and say, No. It's you. We already had this conversation. It's you. And you've got your hands all over this. It's going to be okay. Mm. So that's the richness, though. Do you see what I mean? Like over and over, that's the richness of God. Talk about the ultimate example of surrender. Yeah. Right? But I'm not a hero of any sort. I struggle ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I am not some meek, passive, oh God, whatever. I mean, like he's timing it with me. He's doing that because I wrestle deeply in Christianity. I know the right answers, but then when life actually hits, Mm -hmm. it's about applying those things that we know are true. There can be the Grand Canyon size between Mm -hmm. our head knowledge and what our heart or our will actually wants to do in that moment. I hear you describing you have this immense clarity in these moments you're describing, right? Almost like the eyes to see, you know, as God sees. But I'm curious, was that a light switch process for you or was that a development over Aaron's struggle and his Ill, his his illness that you were walking through? Can you point to an area where it became more clear for you, like you're describing? Yeah, because I fought tooth and nail through the first 10 years. I feel like I was in a lot of denial, like back in the hospital, let's get out of here as soon as I can. I did not, sadly, very sadly, to my own disgrace, did not look at the doctors and nurses as heroes. I looked at them as just, you know, necessary whatever to get us back out. So, and Aaron would say to me, you know, when some newbie would try and do his blood and mess up and risk things, and I would just start 
<laughs> getting angry, getting mama bear on the, the poor person. And he would say to me, mom, they're just learning. Just if you need to leave the room, <laughs> leave the room. <laughs> you know, the child helping the parent. Yeah. So I wasn't in that place. It's just God doesn't, he just doesn't waste things. We have to keep showing up. And that was something that came to me over and over as you can, you can physically show up in life, but it's different to actually show up in life and be willing to learn the lesson or to walk out the thing. So can't stress enough that I'm very, very human and I wrestle deeply, but he, he has just been rich to me. He is to everyone though. That I think that's what bothers me sometimes is sometimes these stories can be like, well, how come God hasn't been that way to me? Mm-hmm. And I can't answer for God, but I can tell you who he is and that I'm no one special. That that's and the rest of it, I, I can't explain the Holocaust. I can't explain. I just know that we do have to keep showing up mm-hmm. and you gotta surround yourself with people that keep pointing you to Jesus because yeah. don't try to do it by yourself. And that's um, the key, right? Is like it's hard to point ourselves to Jesus. So how do we get there? Yeah. Now, speaking of breadcrumbs, you just see those breadcrumbs of these lessons God was teaching along the way of mm-hmm. seeing yourself as this mountain climber and to see God moving through the whole process. And then even at the end of Aaron's time here with you to say death is a doorway, not the end. That's just so impactful. I'm mesmerized by the life lessons that you're able to describe today for us from such a a richness like you're describing that I'm sure again took time. I'm blown away. I'm super thankful that I was raised with scripture over and over. I feel like God can speak to us through an eagle. He can speak to us through anything. But when we plant the word of God in our kids' lives, it's like we're planting the mother language of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like you're planting something so that when scripture flows through your mind or when the hard thing comes and you're up against the battle, to have him literally speak to you in his own language and you know it's like it's in there, the old hymns or the song. And so I'm super thankful for having that and then having just a wealth of time with him. Like I told Chad earlier, I also had an absolute unseating of my faith through this down at UCLA, where I feel like God rose to his feet and dismantled. I had not been flawless or perfect, but I had was a pretty good girl by human standards. God knew my heart. I think we either are self-righteous or debauched one of the two and neither one is effective. It's like the older brother and the younger brother, Mm -hmm. you know, and the the man that had two sons. And so he could see all that needed to be unseated, but it, it wasn't always moments like that. It was, it was moments where God was revealing himself. If he didn't hold on to you, it would destroy you. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. Yeah. We were talking even weeks ago about this notion of, you know, when we have Jesus, it's almost like you've got the secret code, right? I mean, like you're describing, you know, how much energy would have been spent if you hadn't got to that place with the confidence in Christ, the peace in Christ to spend all this energy on tomorrow, on what's the plan for tomorrow? What are the strategizing, you know, crafting our plans versus allowing us to be unhurried, which is really hard. Yeah. And to sit in a moment and let God lead. You know, this podcast, we're about sharing areas where God has broken through, both in, in, in a way that's giving, whether it's this company providing a plane because they heard the story, right? And you get to receive that or just experiencing God's giving of himself yeah. in these experiences. And we call these things miracles, right? We here on this show, which outside of the podcast recording studio, it's really hard to claim these things, I feel like, in every day, which is why we wanted to create this forum Mm. to share stories. What if all these moments where God breaks through, both good and bad, just unexplainable, let's say, right? God is at work. God is allowing things to happen. He is working in a way that we can't see. It's not revealed yet to us. But boy, I want to have your clarity and your peace and conviction in how God works. I think some of the deepest struggle is, even as a Christian, to like, is God here with me? I feel like he has 
upended my life on top of my head. That's what I kept feeling like leading up to it. I felt like you are literally taking the wheels off my bus. What do you want from Mm me? Uh, And so I think half the comfort in really tough times is a true belief in our hearts that God is with us. And how can we know that? And I found for myself, one of the struggles is, is that we as humans measure things as humans. But when God says like a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years, is he weighs and measures and times the events and courses of our life and his revelation of himself to us. We think very human, and that's where faith comes in over and over, is knowing what his word says and then being willing to wait, hmm. wait on the Lord, be of good cheer, or be still and know that I am God. Our, our life, our, our communities, our, the pace of it does not help us with that. You have to literally intentionally go after that to begin to get into the rhythms of God. Like Eugene Peterson says, the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. Like I just, just saying that just makes my whole body let down the unforced rhythms of grace. What would that be like to live in those? And so it's that kind of thing of getting in the rhythm of God so that you don't feel like he's against you. That honestly, for me, was one of the hardest things is to say, is all this because it's a good girl question? Is all of this happening to me? because I've screwed up. Did I not get the memo? I'd ask him all the time. Everybody else's life looks so much better around me right now. Did I not get the memo? What am I not doing right? It was that good girl question. So I really needed to know that God was there with me. And that became the breadcrumbs because the mountain wasn't moving. To see the breadcrumbs was testimony every day in the smallest little ways of that parking spot when I've been up all night, you know, that's right by the doorway. I didn't have to have in a very busy, huge complex, just snapping a picture of that with my phone to remember, just trace the, the breadcrumbs through the day so that I can lay down tonight, however hard it is, and know that he's with me. Mm-hmm. And that's why even when you spoke of my son today there, that's that sense that it's like, God, you're here. That yeah. was my immediate response. Like to me, the breadcrumbs, the aha, the hey, how on earth did you weave those two things together? You're here. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to know. You're here. I don't know. That's what makes it better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shared with me how you were really praying to God, asking God for grace and how he showed up to you in that moment. And, and I, I think it's so great for our audience to hear, like, just be reminded by like, we can't earn God's love or favor. There's nothing that we can do by our actions to do it. And, and it, it's so, you know, normal within our our world that we live in that we want to, you know, take certain actions and feel like, okay, ba- I did this for every action. There should be a reaction. So now yes. God, I did this. Yes. Now you do your part <laughs> yes. and, and you just work harder and harder mm-hmm. and harder to earn God's favor. When in reality, you know, we just have to like recognize, and it's so much easier said than done that God loves us so abundantly more than anything that we could possibly do from an actions standpoint. Mm -hmm. Nothing can change that. And I think that's a great reminder. And I'd love for you to speak more on how you're asking God to teach you grace. Yes, exactly. Because I had asked Christ into my heart at five, it really felt more like fire insurance. I was afraid of going to hell Mm -hmm. and was very versed in all the language in that. And so had that security, but then fast forward and I'm married and have kids and realize that I don't feel like I'm a gracious person. I don't feel like grace characterizes my life. I'm a striver. I'm an achiever. And I'm judging other people through that all the hmm. time. And once again, I, I believe even that the significant questions I have, God literally places the question in my brain so that I turn to him. The idea being I turn to him for the answer or for the understanding of it that he's teaching us. Like you might say to your kid, you know, why do you think that that happened? You know, and then it gets their wheels turning. Yeah. You've got the answer. You're helping them to understand something. And so I truly believe he began to well up in my my heart, this longing that I would be a person more of grace. It's been a long journey. I'm a driver. That's ugly. And so I just realized the the wretchedness of my own like heart, and then just start asking him, "Would would you make me a person of grace?" Oh my gosh! You know, when we ask him to do things, I used to be more like, "Okay, 
watch out, wait, you don't know what God's going to do. The wells are going to come off the bus when you ask that. But what we forget is to turn a sinful, broken human being into being like Jesus. That's not a, that's, that's kind of a little bit of a painful thing, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> really, you know, to change our course. And so it, it is, it's, those are big, hard prayers, but I think he also helps us long for that enough till we're finally willing to say, I, want, I do want this. I do want to be a person of grace. And so then began what I feel like is my lifelong testimony in multiple ways of knowing God's grace. And then the more we know God's grace, the more we want to be that to other people. But when we don't receive it for ourselves because we're being good, you have to receive it yourself before you can give it to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you've received that and you've experienced the character of God, you you use that word so much in our you know pre-interview for today, and I was just really I've been reflecting on that this whole last week of just oh man, really learning the character of God and in a deep deep way because you said you know you grew up you grew up a good girl you did did all the right things you're focused on you know you're constantly studying the Bible you're you had the head knowledge of Scripture. You felt like your heart was there too. It wasn't just head knowledge, but God had your heart as well. So it's like you're doing all the the right, so to speak, things. And yet you you just say, but but God, this is your chance to prove to me, like as I'm going through this darkest of times and what feels like I'm just falling deeper and deeper and deeper into this darkness and this suffering that I'm going through is as I'm going through this experience with my son, Aaron, you're like, God, this is your chance to like prove all this was worthwhile and that this hasn't been a waste of my time and energy and and getting to know you and your word and what you're all about. And you learn more and more and saw how God showed up his true character. I'd love for you to share. What did you feel? What did you experience through this giving experience podcast? It's like, you really were a recipient of yeah. Of knowing God's character. And you also talked about at some point, once you experienced it and and really got to know at a deep level that came through suffering, which we talk a lot about on this podcast, like we serve an incredibly abundant God more than we could ever understand. And yet God at no point, you know, declares that abundance is going to be given to us without suffering. Like they, they yeah. tend to go hand in hand. Like yeah. we have to to navigate through the suffering just as Jesus did for us yeah. to be able to experience this abundance. It, it just reminds me of you were just saying like, now that I've experienced God at like at this deep level, I don't want to lose him. Like Jesus yeah. is like my one and only, like the one thing that I can't live without. And I just thought that was so encouraging and beautiful. Like, oh, amen. Like that's, yeah, we all want to be there, right? Because yeah. that's, that's something you can, that's a solid foundation to, to live your life by. Yeah. Well, like I told you, Chad, I realized I think I was in my early 40s when I dropped off my youngest child to college and stayed in a hotel nearby and realized it was the first time in my life that I had stayed, that I had been in a room, in a house, in a a building all by myself because I was from a large family and I had gotten married young and had kids and I had never been alone. So fast forward to this, and I'm I'm going down to UCLA, and there's going to be no Bible studies. There is no going to church. I'm living in an ICU ward in a borrowed room. None of the friends, family, not that people didn't fly in occasionally, but we're talking about everyday life when mm-hmm. you have church support, when you have Bible study support and home groups or whatever the rhythms of your life, all of those would be turned upside down. And As I was anticipating that happening, I was wondering, who will I be? These have been supports ever since I've been little. And what struck me is that the best way I can explain it is it felt like I had learned the characters, the characteristics of God in the Bible and a head knowledge. But all of a sudden I'm down all alone in a very traumatic sort of a high drama like I said to you, there was there was no in-between of the normal kind of life. There was the living in a borrowed room to living in a high trauma unit. There was no normal life. And so to have God like rise up off the pages of the Bible, that's the best way I can explain it, that he would rise up. And it felt like one week he would show me what it meant to be the provider in the different ways that he would, all of a sudden we're thrown a, a IRS audit. 
in the middle of all of this mm. from a company what? long ago. So my husband's struggling at that end. And I go down one day to purchase lunch and my car doesn't work. And I know we're not like have a ton of money, but I've got money to, I mean, we've at this point been stripped down after a, a really long medical history. And so I was in that place, but so I call and they have shut down all of our accounts until they get whatever result. So it's just like something hits the fan. You're thinking literally there can't be another thing. Like what's this timing? But over and over, it's like God's going to show himself to you in the very thing that you don't want to face. Mm. He shows himself big because now I have no resources. (laughs) I have nothing. I'm already living in a borrowed room. And now I don't know how I'm going to get food. For however long they play this, you know, this game, what I'm calling the game, I'm sure it was real on their side. So those kind of things, he would step off the page and suddenly be that in such a real way that it wasn't a head knowledge. It was an absolute deep heart knowledge of experiencing it at the most base level. And so these different things of being the comforter and the provider and the prince of peace, you know, almighty God, wonderful counselor, the counsel he'd give me so that, you know, making decisions as you're advocating over and over. I just, it was so clear to me who was doing this for me that as I was telling you, Chad, maybe as crazy as it sounds is Aaron passed and his body's being flown home and John and I are driving up home there's such a wall of grief waiting right behind you you can feel it you're going through the motions you don't even know how you're going to do the next part of life all I could think of in that moment was God I am absolutely terrified to return back to quote unquote normal life and miss who I've known you to be. You have been the reality of all the head knowledge I've learned all my life. And what if I go back to regular life and I lose you? Mm. I lose you in that, all that stuff that doesn't matter, like how green my lawn is. Like, I care how green my lawn is. I was just looking at it today. But those things that you like literally use up emotional energy on, like you've stripped my life down. You've shown me yourself. What if I return and I don't know how to do life and still hold on to you? And that was what I asked him next to please promise me that I wouldn't lose what I had gained down there because that was my biggest worry is that I knew that whatever I had to walk out with and living with the reality without Aaron here, that never ends. (laughs) Yeah, That never ends. It's just weird. Like the day that my two younger kids, because Aaron was the middle out of five, the day that my two youngest kids passed him in age, mm-hmm. it was just weird. Mm-hmm. Like we're leaving him behind. Mm-hmm. Like you can know truth and then emotion just all mm-hmm. at the same time. We're not leaving behind. He's gone on ahead, Beth, you know. You know, the bottom line is he's the sure thing. We're the weak link. Yeah. And all this combination, we're the weak link. Yeah. We we like beg him and petition him and talk about him. He's the solid thing. Yeah. We're the weak link. <laughs> we're, it's in doubt whether we're going to be faithful or show up. Not him. Yeah. Not him. How many years ago did Aaron walk through that doorway? 2015. February okay. 2015. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, over eight years ago. Yeah. How, how has God answered that prayer to you in, in the eight years following that event? That prayer you said of you didn't want to lose how he showed up for you. Yeah. So how has he answered that in, the, in these falling That's a great years? question. That is a great question. I would say once again that I'm the weak link in that, in that he, he is doing that work. And I just had a profound, went through a really severe concussion just at the end of last year. And what he did again for me in revelation of yet healing more of my life, healing more is such a sure thing. It's me that when I start heading into that with regular life going on, I can start just forgetting and doubting who he has been in those places. And then he continues to do these monumental things. That's why I guess for me, timing is a word over and over to realize that when I race ahead or I make a decision about God and how faithful he's being in a circumstance, it's such a timing thing because he's waiting for us. We're not really waiting for him. Ours is the development that's slow. Ours is the realization that we got to get to the, for him to reveal this to us takes 
us to get to the next spot with him so that he can give us that because until we learn this, we're not going to get this. You know, it's like having your child, but you can only give them little bite size of things and help them on to the next thing. You can't avalanche him with all your big hopes and dreams for him and land that on him or give him all the capacity that you have to give him right now with all your resources, you'd ruin them. We all know that. You gotta be careful with that. And how much greater between this expanse of God and us, his little tiny things, Mm -hmm. his little ants. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, what a precious opportunity. I I just feel so blessed to hear your story and to hear the life of your son and to hear the ways that God was using him even in an ICU ward. So I'm just thankful for our time today. Thank you. One more thing too that I never said to you, Chad, either, but in being in a transplant world, there's families that have said okay to giving four organs out of their loved one that they've lost. Mm. And that happened twice. Talk about gift of giving. Mm. At one of the most traumatic times of your life to choose to say yes when you've lost everything to give someone else the chance. And Aaron went through two four organ transplants. That's huge. That's huge. And that, those were huge gifts, too. They gave us more time. I'm forever thankful to whoever those families are that they gave us that opportunity and that chance to have a little bit more time with Aaron, to let science go a little bit further so that someone beyond Aaron has a better chance. So, Wow. I can only envision that if I'm listening to this for the first time and hearing your story, I might want to reach out. Is there a place where people could go to do that? Are you on Facebook or Instagram? I am on Facebook. Okay. Maybe what we'll do is we'll put a link to your Facebook page. Is that fair? Yeah. Because we don't want you to be spammed. Yeah. And (laughs) honestly, on my Facebook page is a page that I continually wrote on during Aaron's whole journey. So if someone wanted to go there and read some of that or reach out, I am so happy to share with anybody who God has been. If it can give them one more day of encouragement in their journey. That's all it is, is one day to to figure out what today is going to look like. And the provision is in today. We'll just expire it if we run ahead to tomorrow. But the full provision is in today. Still is. So I would be happy to be part of that. Before we wrap up, I would just love to hear when you're talking, I don't want to lose this closeness to God and, and who he is and that, you know, that relationship that I've had with him as I've been down in the tough things. And then I re-enter into normal life, so to speak. What are the different things that you would advise for anybody listening to this that have maybe helped helped create that connection with God? And maybe you have something you specifically do or just in general, somebody just wanting to draw closer to God throughout everyday life. What are the things that you have found that have allowed to keep that pathway open? The people that you surround yourself with, one of the things is who are your people? Who will get down back into the trenches with you? Who will fly in? We had dear friends that when they realized that we had been called and were going into transplant, they both walked out of their jobs, walked straight onto airplanes, had no change of clothes, had no toothbrush determined that when our son was wheeled into that huge surgery that they would be standing there locked arms with us Mm. and they made it they walked through the doors just maybe a half an hour before they wheeled Aaron in it's like God's created us I believe that no one is Superman no one has it all he has created us because he wants us to need each other and through each other we get to see the face of God we get to feel the arms of God because he's not here with us He's here with us, but not in physical form, and we need physical. And the team of people, our friends that walked through hell and fire with us, that when we're down there and our resources have been so stripped that they pass around a hat and all of a sudden enough money comes down so that we can stay in the little... UCLA is just a tough situation for having places to stay, but the one place that we could stay within walking distance of Aaron that would work was $4,000 a month. We couldn't just come up with that. We were just trying to keep Mm. our basic back at home. And they passed around the hat and sent down enough to us to stay there two months without having to think about it. In two months in transplant 
world, you're just barely getting started out of the gate. Like there's so many things to man and do. And after that, got to move to a home of a couple who we had never known before in our life that opened their home to us and that we lived with them. And it was these, once again, these huge gifts God was giving us as we went. Community is what, what I oh, heard. Community. My question yes. was, you know, yes. what what are ways that people can, you know, try to position themselves in their hearts to to be deeper and stay connected with Christ. And what I heard you say was, was community people relationships, which is, you know, just a reoccurring theme that we Mm -hmm. continue to hear. I think episode after episode is just, Oh man, the power of having that community and and that God designed us to be in relationship with one another and to lean into that. Mm -hmm. Who's going to, when you start feeling like marriage has gotten too hard, who's going to come and knock on your door and say, nope, come over to dinner. Let's do this one more time. One of our friends did that over and over and over. Like, nope, you guys back in the battle, come sit Mm -hmm. down on the couch. Tell us what's going on. It didn't solve immediate things. It just kept doing a stopgap. It Mm -hmm. just kept meeting us in that place. The flip side of that is no one can have your relationship with God. Only you can. Mm -hmm. And so, Will you make time? And we all learn and grow with him a little bit differently. I firmly believe the power of the Holy Spirit and his word are the two keys. Some people are really good at sitting still and doing that. Some people need to walk and listen to whatever that looks like. I just think I tell myself over and over, Beth, when you walk out the door of your house, you're going to be onslaughted by so many things you don't even recognize are an onslaught of opposing forces, ideologies, attitudes to the way that you hope to finish at the finish line and that you hope to make and choose through this life. And so what are you doing today to invest in that part? And you have to be absolutely intentional because it's not just going to fall on you as you walk out your door. You know what I mean? It's it's like an intentionality of mm-hmm. this is what I want, this is what I value, and I'm going to make room for it. And sometimes that's tough because we can binge on stuff on from the world we live in, Gig Harbor, whatever. We can binge on watching things. We can binge, and I'm not I'm not preaching on any of that. I'm just saying that it's all part of the stuff that is so readily available to us that I knew instinctively would descend back on me again. That I would have to want it. And just because I run around and then I hit a dilemma and it's like, God, show up now, you know, Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. And it's like, walk with him so you know him. So when that onslaught comes, you're already assured of his love for you. You already know that these are the things that his word says about those things or the different ideologies or the different challenges that are coming to us all the time. Do we know what he says about them or are we just going off what someone else tells them he says? You know, do we know God? Do we want to know God? Do we make time to know God? And so to me, who I surround myself with and how how I go about knowing him, do I want to? Is, is that a Is that a reality and a priority in my life? This just reminds me about my personal journey. I surprisingly got diagnosed with leukemia and was not at all expecting it. But the blessing behind that was that I had taken such good care of my body prior to being diagnosed with it. The doctors told me, if it weren't for you being in such good physical shape to begin with, your body's been fighting this, we think, figure a couple years prior to me knowing it. And that was such a leg up that I had. And what I'm hearing from you is the same thing. Like we owe it to ourselves to be in God's word and get to know God. And it's inevitable. We're going to have suffering in our lives of one degree or another. And if we can just have the foresight and wisdom to know, I need to start this journey yesterday so that when that time comes, I'll be more equipped and prepared to take on that battle, then wait until, oh, now I'm in the suffering. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on my relationship with Christ and understanding the character and learning more about him, being in his word, praying and having that time of quiet to listen. What is God trying to teach me and allow me to hear in this moment? Thank you for coming on this show and just mm-hmm. sharing this journey with us and being living proof of somebody that has followed in faith and Fortunately, you were equipped to be able to handle a very, very 
difficult situation and there was absolutely extreme suffering and I'm sure continues to be extreme suffering through that. And I'm just so encouraged that you were better equipped than maybe the average person that hasn't really leaned into knowing the character of God. It's not even the head knowledge so much is the more you come to know his heart and his character that when the hard time comes, it's not that he's against you. I think I really need to know that as a human, that God is not against me. And this isn't all just because I've majorly screwed up. We all make mistakes unequivocally, but at the same time, then that would put us all in in deep do because Mm -hmm. we all make mistakes. So we're born into a sinful world and that transformation of us into looking like Jesus is a process and it's it's going to require the Bible pruning and, mm-hmm. you know, formation on the will of his hands on us, on the pottery will, those different visions and pictures that we're given. That's just a, a reality that's going to take place in our life. And the closer we can be to him to understand his heart for us, the more we'll see it in truth. Because when we don't, we have a real enemy that comes against us and When we don't know the truth and we don't know God's heart, then his lies to us land with surety. And then that's a whole nother thing to overcome. And I've fought a lot of those. Part of the thing is when you get self-righteous about something, then you kind of start thinking because you've been good, God owes you something. And then when he doesn't, then you get angry. And then the enemy can tell you a whole lot of things about him and he can interpret that anger for you. Yeah. And that's not good. That's a whole side tributary that strips you of of joy, of peace, of any energy to fight the battles. Mm-hmm. I just see this wonderful picture of the preparedness of you investing in the truth of who God is, his character and how you sit in his truth, right? In that relationship with him allowed you to experience the richness of God through hard things. Mm-hmm. What would that look like if you hadn't invested, right? And not that anyone would wish for that. So I want more of that. I want more <laughs> yes. of that investment in Jesus and who God is so that I too can borrow some of your faith to know that I can get through hard things. Yeah. yeah. But that's the whole thing with community, isn't it? Because we're running legs of the race and sometimes someone is at a different level of passion and understanding of who God is and the fullness of that. And we catch draft off that. We can draft mm-hmm. behind them some. We can we can catch some of that vision that they're helping spill out. And then sometimes that person, you know, I go down and under something and then there's people that are coming nearby and saying, no, everything that we've thought is true is true. It doesn't feel like it right now. Keep going. You know, I'm here. What do you need? It's just so vital. And don't do it by yourself. Yeah. Get people around you. And then your kids need that and to mm-hmm. encourage them. Well, and, and to your husband, John's credit too, you know, he's obviously been a huge part of this and, you know, leaning into God and his relationship there with with God and being able to have that foundation for both of you. And you had mentioned, you know, you guys have a friend of yours had said eight out of the 10 things that lead to marriages not working. You guys have been through those trenches and it doesn't go without, you know, trials and effort and suffering and all of this. And yet you, you've persevered through it all. And it's, doesn't mean the journey's over. You're going to continue to go through trials, right? But you've equipped yourselves to be able to withstand the storm by forming your lives around a solid foundation. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you and really just give you guys the credit that you deserve for being as faithful as you have. And man, this has been a true gift to both Brent, myself and our entire audience to be able to sit here with you today and, and hear this story and this testimony of your experience and the richness and fullness of God. So Thank, Thank you, you both of you. Amen. It's been a joy. You make it very easy. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the secular like marketing, marketing ease out there is let the way you leave people feel be your brand mm. and your smile is your calling card. And that even came to me as, you know, just thinking about your, when you were talking about Aaron mm. and I just want to, I, I just want to further encourage you and John that God has uniquely equipped you to raise really good kids. Because, so knowing your son, Dwayne, there isn't a text, an email, or let alone a face-to-face interaction that goes by where I'm looking forward to my interaction with Dwayne. Oh, 
because he is a light. So happy. He is a light. Yeah. So get this. So you know, he's installing this beautiful railing system on our deck yeah. as we speak. Right, as we right speak now, right, right now. So nuts. Right. And he's even a blessing to my neighbors. Where we yeah, we got to meet the guy who's installing it. He was so kind. He came up to us and he said, "Hey, I'm really sorry about the noise. This is a daughter of the 95 year old neighbor of mine." Oh, wow. And she said. He even told me, he said, I'm sensitive to the noise I'm making because I too am a reader and I see you reading there and I feel bad about making the noise. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, no, this is beautiful. You keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> so he that. just brings joy to everybody around uh, him. And so to know that you have multiple children who do that, that's because of the grace of God working through all of you, but particularly the parents too. So, yeah. so thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. We all know as parents that there's lots in the trench at times, right? <laughs> Where the wheels are coming off. That's right. <laughs> it's like you live for someone to say your kid was like yeah. so helpful today or yeah, yeah. Uh, they're such a light to me. Thank you. You bet. If you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And if you're willing, leave us a review. We appreciate it. We want your stories. Do you have one to share or know someone else's that needs to be shared? Leave us a comment below and email us at thegivingexperience.org at gmail.com. And remember, give cheerfully and expect a miracle because one is on its way.